Hey there, everyone. So do you ever get tired of the same old ways of seeing things? Do you ever get the urge to cut through the world of everyday surface appearances and look for the light that's rare in the depths? Well, then maybe, just maybe, the wisdom of podcast is for you. Because in this podcast, we explore great works of philosophy and literature and art and try to pull out of them what's most interesting and invigorating and inspiring. Whether they come from the works of Plato, or Dostoevsky, or Picasso, here we explore ideas that move mountains and rock the soul. So come join us, won't you? Come worship at the altar of ideas and come celebrate the dancing of thought. And don't be afraid of the leaping sparks as you can be certain of one thing, they will kindle the light inside of you. Welcome to the Wisdom Of. Coming up today, do you really want to live forever? Scanning through uh, all of our past episodes, and they're really mounting up, one pattern became uh, painfully obvious. There doesn't seem to be a, a lot of wisdom within the living. The dead have got to be winning on the wisdom scale, I don't know, by at least a 20 or 30 to 1 margin. Now, I get it. I'm alive, and I sure ain't wise. And maybe, barring all you beautiful listeners out there, maybe wisdom is not really at a premium these days. Now, some wise person could point out that if I restrict myself to the living, we're only looking at a, a century tops of accumulated wisdom, as opposed to millennia after millennia that the, the dead fill up. But that wise guy who could point that out, that mathematical truth, well, he's probably dead, so he can't do it. But life is for the living, and I'm really glad, a little shocked, but genuinely glad, that we've decided to add another living wisdom knot to our ranks. The shock part comes in that it is a 90s rocker, Oasis guitarist, and chief songwriter Noel Gallagher. Probably, uh, he's probably most well known for like catchy melodies, usually braided by his uh, younger brother Liam, layered over top of a wall of guitars. But with all that, you might be forgiven for not examining the lyrics, the words, dare I say, the wisdom. I guess we're trying to rectify that today. So let's look at just a, a few samples. Who amongst us hasn't uh, ruminated over gems like this? Slowly walking down the hall, faster than a cannonball. Now, I get a few of you probably just assume that this line was simply stupid. But he's really teaching us not to be tricked, to see things as they really are, which is more difficult than you would really think. Of course... 
you walk, no matter how slowly, faster than a cannonball. Because, did anyone notice, there is no mention of a cannon. This cannonball is inanimate. Another line that is worth examining is this one. Because in a car, you can go far. Just depends what kind of car you are. This is insightful. This is uh, early exposition on the melding of man and machine. As I am simultaneously in the car, of the car, and the car itself. Chilling, chilling poetry, made all the more powerful when you add the fact that Noel is from Manchester, popularly considered the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution, ground zero for modernity. I won't even get into his chanting of la-da, 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 la-la, a clear reference to communist Soviet Union and their car, the Lada, a car both of means and message. Depends what kind of car you are indeed. I could go on and on, but let's not bury the lead here. We have the piece of resistance, and it has to be live forever. I don't want to get lost in the minutia and miss the forest for the trees here. I'm going to go back to the most obvious. And that is Noel, through Liam, telling us that you and I are going to live forever. Assuming that the I spot is taken, that leaves the you open in the you and I. Should I take him up on it? Do I, in fact, want to live forever? Wow, that, why, why can't you just say something like we're going to talk about the value of immortality today? No, it had to be what felt like a, uh, a year-long analysis of Noel Gallagher lyrics. It's really awful. Anyway, so uh, to return to everyday life, let's get on with the, uh, the real stuff. Okay, well, so obviously most of us uh, aren't very happy with the fact that we're, we're going to die. In fact, we pretty much don't even want to acknowledge it. And um, that's what's so odd about our predicament. What's odd is that we just don't want to accept something that's, that's constitutive of who we are and, uh, and completely unavoidable. Namely, our finitude. As the, um, the great writer Milan Kundera said, To be mortal is the most basic human experience, and yet man has never been able to accept it, and grasp it, and behave accordingly. Man just doesn't know how to be mortal. No, we, we fear death so much that we do whatever we can to divert our attention away from it. We just hate our mortality so much that we don't want to be made aware of it. As, uh, as Pascal said, diversion is the only thing that keeps us happy. And so, we repress all thought of death and live as if it doesn't exist, or as if we have unlimited time. Okay, but now, here's the question. What if we actually did have unlimited time? What if we could live forever? Would becoming immortal give us the, the satisfaction and the meaning we think our finitude robs us of? Should we uh, conclude along with St. Augustine that true happiness absolutely requires immortality? 
Okay, well, let me begin with a, uh, a very simple observation. Isn't it a very peculiar fact that while most of us want to live forever, we also at the same time have no idea what to do with ourselves on Sunday mornings? You know, at that moment during the week where, where that horizon in front of us seems most open. I mean, given that we often feel a bit bored and lost here, why are we so convinced that more time, an infinite open horizon in fact, infinite Sunday mornings, is going to make us any happier and bring greater purpose to our life? I guess uh, part of the broader question I'm asking is, sure, we, we fear death, but without it, would life actually be more terrible? Would immortality be, be more like a curse than a blessing? I mean, of course, more time would give us uh, more opportunity to, to do things. That's obvious. I mean, uh, we could try out several different jobs, for example, or just develop uh, more and more interests. But keep something in mind here. Remember that extended time is not the same as endless or infinite time. So the real question is, is there anything that we could do not many times over, but an unlimited amount of times over without getting bored? And um, how could we ever do something new when eventually, given endless time, we will have exhausted all variation of things? And so wouldn't we at some point lose all interest in life? We may as well be dead. Okay, well, so, so here's something else that we might want to think about if we, if we choose to become immortal. It's this. In losing our mortality, wouldn't we also be at risk of losing our, our humanity? Don't these two, mortality and humanity, go hand in hand? Isn't our humanness a consequence of our finitude? In other words, our, our death, whether we explicitly acknowledge it or not, what it does is it shapes us into the beings that we are with certain dispositions and interests and aspirations. So, now here's the question. If mortality is so inextricably interwoven with our humanity, then how is it we can make any sense of us with our humanness living as an immortal? If we were to become immortal, wouldn't we have become some other type of being altogether? And so, well, where's the continuity? How is being immortal a solution if it means becoming somebody that has no real connection to the person we used to be? Actually, there's another problem here that's sort of connected to this. It's this. It's that many of our important virtues the kinds of qualities and ideals that we, we care about, actually arise from or are dependent on our mortality. I mean, for example, how on earth could we ever explain being uh, brave if we lived as an immortal? Being brave seems to, to require risk and the, the looming prospect of death, right? But again, if we're immortal, how can we make sense of any of the more serious virtues that we care so much about? The ones which ground us and make our life that much more meaningful. Actually, you know, a good way to make this even more clear is by uh, going back to those colorful ancient Greek gods. I mean, 
they're all immortal, right? But as I'm sure most of us have heard, many of them live extremely superficial and, uh, and morally distasteful lives. And that's, of course, because there are no repercussions for them, no cost for their actions. Being sealed from all of this, ultimately, nothing matters. Well, again, I think there's an important lesson in this. It's that life can't really be consequential or serious without the limits of finitude. Or, in other words, it's our impending death which makes us live life in a serious and pressing way. Without it, we just, uh, we would just float around like those Greek gods. Actually, uh, you know what? In a way, this reminds me of what happens to one of the characters in the amazing novel by Milan Kundera, The Unbearable Lightness of Being, a book, by the way, that we explored in an earlier episode. So, the character that I'm referring to in that story is uh, Sabina. So, what's Sabina like? Well, essentially, she's an existentially light character living a life of freedom and sexual liberation and acting on self-interested impulses. After uh, betraying her husband, she becomes a mistress and from that point on doesn't allow herself to fall into any burdensome relationships. The point is, is that Sabina is living in an existentially light way. But, um, here's the thing. Ultimately, this way of living lightly this way of avoiding commitment or anything burdensome or restricting in her life, well, it produces nothing but emptiness all around her. So her drama becomes one not of heaviness or weight, but one of too much lightness. She feels the burden not of weight, but of lightness. In her soaring away from the earth, where there is no longer any significance to anything, she experiences the dizzying, unbearable lightness of being. Well, again, to, to go back to what I was saying, without death and the sort of virtues that, that that brings, there's a real sense in which we too would become untethered from things, from things like commitment and bravery and so, like Sabina, we too would be saddled with that dizzying, unbearable lightness of being. Okay, well, I think that there's another big problem here with uh, wanting to live forever. And um, it's a pretty obvious one. It's that with unlimited time, there'd be absolutely no urgency to do anything. I mean... If we have time without end, then the idea of, uh, of wasting time makes no sense anymore. In fact, wasting time and apathy and procrastination is exactly the weight that you'd be saddled with. Actually, you know, uh, now that I think about it, a really good image of this sort of scenario is given to us by the, the great writer Borges in his short story, The Immortal. So, in that story, what Borges is trying to get us to see is the effect that that immortality would have on us. And uh, he doesn't think it's a good one. So what happens in that story is that the main character, Rufus, a Roman soldier, resolves to, to set out to find and drink from the river of immortality and to find the city of the immortals around it 
Well, when he finally gets to the river, what he sees is a bunch of uh, shriveled and abject creatures who are all lying around the, the riverbank, entirely docile in an almost uh, comatose state. Well, to his shock, he soon realizes that these uh, pathetic creatures, they're actually the immortals. They're the remnant of the Olympian gods. So what's happened is that their infinite life has uh, stultified them and made them hesitant to do anything at all. Suffice it to say, Rufus had imagined immortality to look nothing like this. What Rufus soon realizes is that it's actually death that makes people act and care. It's only when we know that our, our span of life is limited that we're motivated to accomplish our goals and our projects. What immortality ultimately does, despite its uh, surface appeal, is it strikes at the very thread and integrity of human existence. Well, so to, uh, to get back to the story, you know what eventually happens? What eventually happens is that the immortals, sick with themselves in this state that they're in, is they set out to find and drink from another river from the river of mortality. In other words, they set out to be cured of this disease that has been their immortal condition. Actually, um, it's interesting. Here we might notice the very reverse of what happens in the, in the biblical fall, right? I mean, in the fall, we were cast out of our perfectly happy immortal state to one of suffering and death. But maybe God got it wrong. Maybe by casting us out into a finite world, he actually delivered to us our real salvation. Certainly, that's what the immortals eventually came to realize, and it's why they headed back out to the river of death. Because they realized it's actually death, not Eden, that will save them from the onus that is immortality. to the wisdom of podcast if you want to know more about this topic or the podcast in general visit wisdomofpod.com 